With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Garth Galloway, how are you? I'm well. I'm just, uh, just um, you know, like everybody, I think, slightly <laughs> uh, pinching myself and saying, is that game really over already? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's been a bit made of the pink ball and how much that did, particularly when Stuart Broad ripped through a top order of the second innings. But uh, as Robbie, uh, producer today, said to me, he said, well, they didn't seem to have too many problems when we were bowling at them sort of at the same time the day before. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think um, there's a lot of things you've got to look at with this New Zealand side now. Uh, they're obviously lacking a lot of confidence. It really shows. Um, their record over the last 18 months or so has been poor, and, and we're not seeing that slide being arrested. So uh, it, it's slightly worrying. I also thought, though, and, and the point that uh, your producer makes is an interesting one, but, but I think it comes back to team selections. I, I couldn't believe that Kugline and Tickner were both picked for this test match in a pink ball match. I could understand it a little bit more if you were going into a test at the Basin uh, where there might be a little bit more bounce, but they're not swing bowlers. And you know, uh, England have that, uh, they have Broad and Anderson who swing the ball prodigiously. Uh, New Zealand have Salvi. Wagner doesn't swing the ball. And then they bring in two other bowlers who are, who are quite muscular and bowl at that sort of 140 k's an hour. Uh, both uh, obviously extremely inexperienced or unexperienced in test cricket, and they don't swing the ball. So I, I just I couldn't believe really that they picked both of those players. I also couldn't believe that Wagner opened with the new ball. Um, you know, a player who who, do, who doesn't swing the ball. I, it, strange stuff for me. Yeah, especially when they did bring Jacob Duffy in as well, um, and then decided not to pick him. Well, Duffy would have been my pick um, d- just for that reason that he swings it. Mm. I also think you've got to start considering. Um, a player like uh, you know Lister from Auckland, the left armour, who I think gives you um, some some good variety there and is able to swing the ball. I suppose they'll go into Wellington, and I suspect that. I, I mean, you know, the one thing about this New Zealand side is it's harder to get out of it, I think, than it is in it. Um, and you know, once you're in, they're very loyal to you. Uh, they will bring Henry back in, and so they should for the Wellington Test, and that probably means I would think that Kugelheim will go. I think they'll they'll keep Tickner. Um, I'm not sure really. I mean, I think he and Kugelheim bowled at some quite good spells in this match, in fairness to them, but I don't think they're really test class, you know, top class uh, test bowlers. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it, it's interesting. I look at the batting and think about uh, Nichols, and, and I'm scratching my head to work out why he's still there, really. Um, I think he's got to go for the Wellington test. I can't see how that they can continue to play him. They need much more out of Latham and Williamson. Uh, you know, all the batting pressure seems to be on Conway, Blundell and Mitchell. And those three have done extremely well in the last 18 months or so. Uh, but Latham and, and Williamson struggling a little bit. Yeah, Nichols is uh, an interesting one. I, I'm glad you brought him up because, you know, when he went uh, to the, the subcontinent on that tour, uh, I, th- you know, I know there was a mix of tests and ODIs and things, but he only scored over his average once, I think, in about eight innings over there. And then he's gone for four and seven here at the Mount. Um, seems very much the writing on the wall. I guess the question is, what do you do? Um, do you keep Conway 
and Latham Gither at the top, or do you bring someone like Will Young in to open with Latham and, and, and put Conway at four? Well, I think you have to, you either do that or you, you, you replace Phillips, with, uh, sorry, Henry with Phillips in the, in the middle order. You just make a straight swap and you leave Latham and Conway as they are. Um, uh, you know, and I, and I think I probably would favour that rather than mucking around with Latham and Conway at the top. Having said that, I mean, the, the slightly more conservative option would be to do exactly what you're suggesting. And knowing the way that New Zealand tend to be incredibly conservative, that might be what they plump for. Uh, I mean, if you look at, at Nichols since he scored as 157 against Pakistan and Christchurch in January 2021, so two years ago, and that was a terrific innings. He's played 10 tests since then, and he's scored 505 runs at an average of 22. But since the Leeds test in June last year, he's averaging 13.6. Uh, you know, when we look at Latham's numbers, uh, since the South African test at home in February last year, he scored 138 runs at 13 in games against England and New Zealand. And on the Pakistan series, he was magnificent. He scored 281 runs at 93. So the worrying thing is that in those New Zealand-type, England-type conditions, as I said, 138 runs uh, at 13, uh, and, and that's, that's of concern. And Williamson also, he scored well in Karachi against Pakistan as well, but in games against, in the recent games in the UK and New Zealand, he scored 102 runs at 17. So, you know, I'm not suggesting for a moment that you make changes around Latham and Williamson, they're class players uh, with good records, but New Zealand need a lot more from them. They do. It was interesting, actually. Ronnie Heater, I was uh, I follow him on Twitter, and, and we get him on the show from time to time. He tweeted out only about an hour ago. Not sure how many people will reply to this, but here goes. You're selecting a Black Caps 11 for the next test. We're out of the test championship. Who do you drop and slash select? Do you look to the future and the rest of 2023 and onwards, or do you stick with the players that are there? Um, I, I like the idea of looking for the future. I think it's harder to, um, you know, you, you, we don't we don't see and commentate first-class cricket now, so it's harder to know exactly who the players might be. But I do like, I mean, Latham is going to be around. He, he's, he's played 70 tests. He's going to be around for a long time. Um, so who, who do you look for? Um, I, I like the idea of looking for the future. You, you know, the worst thing that this New Zealand side could do is is, is muscle up against the Sri Lankan side when they come here with... Uh, with the same players, not experiment a bit, and you know that's a, that's a golden opportunity in my eyes against the weak side to experiment and to bring some players into the test environment. And I really do think New Zealand have to look to do that. People would have to be lower their expectations a little bit around results and be fair about that. Uh, but you know the, the the worst thing in a way that can happen is Sri Lanka come here, New Zealand smash them off the park. And really, we're not making progress, and and that's the point. So I think that uh, you know Ronnie Hera's point is is a, is a really good one. We should be looking against uh, against Sri Lanka to bring in and blood a few players and give them an opportunity against a side that is not performing particularly well at the moment. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with uh, both you and and Ronnie on that because I mean you look at the age profile of our team and even the the younger guys in inverted commas in this team are thirty. You know, Devon Conway, Tom Latham. Uh, I know Kane uh, is is sort of he's still not uh, you know he's he's still thirty coming up 33. Uh, Nichols is about the same age, but really everybody, the, the whole team is ageing together, which is never a good thing because otherwise, you know, all of a sudden you've got to find, instead of having to find two or three players at a time, you're having to find 10. 
Yeah, and that's and I've talked um, on many occasions with Mark Watson on your program about succession, and and one of the things that I've been critical of New Zealand cricket for is is, is looking at what is the succession plan, and I just don't see it, and and so. You know, are we going to see uh, something that, like that being brought in against uh, the Sri Lankan side? It, I mean, it's hard because, you, you know, you always want to pick your best players in Test cricket. And I think, you know, up until the last uh, 12 to 18 months, New Zealand have had a, a really wonderful run. And, uh, you know, I, I don't lose sight of that in making the criticism that I'm making at the moment. But um, like all of these things, they things go in cycles. And uh, at the moment, I, you know, I think the thing you've got to be looking at is what, how is New Zealand going to get out of the slump? You know, I, I don't really measure New Zealand's performance against uh, the weaker test nations. I think, you know, the way that we measure them is against sides like Australia, England and India. They're, they're, the, they're kind of the top three in test cricket, in my view. And I think... Uh, you want to see New Zealand being competitive. And you'll remember the series uh, in Australia a couple of years ago where New Zealand were absolutely hammered by Australia. They were beaten 3-0 by England uh, in the UK, and they've just been beaten very badly by England in their home conditions. So, uh, you know, I think when you see sides starting to perform in that way, you, you possibly have to have a little less loyalty to some of the players and say, right, we're going to bring in some other players and we're really going to, we, we're going to, have to make some changes, freshen things up, uh, and you might also start to look at the coaching environment as well and think to yourself, well, um, is, it, is, it, is it still working under Gary Stead? Are we seeing enough uh, change or are we just doing the same thing and getting the same results? And I think that's a question that people have got to start to ask as well now. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that too. I mean, Gary Stead uh, is, is, you know, knows cricket. He's He's got a lot of um, IP, if you like, but he is, as you've said, uh, New Zealand cricket in general, both with him and David White at the helm, tend to be very conservative, make very conservative decisions, which is completely at odds with some of the players we've, Produced, who have then gone on to become very good coaches. You know, you've got guys like uh, Andre Adams, who's now working with the Australian Test team as a bowling coach. Daniel Vittori is doing that. Baz Ball, uh, we're on the we're on the receiving end of it at the moment. You know, uh, surely you would think that they would go, well, hang on, this is what we've produced. Uh, we can't keep hold of it because we don't have the money, but it's the right direction rather than you know being stuck in. I guess for me, it feels like 1990s style cricket. Well, McCullum has shown them exactly what you can do, hasn't he? And mm. and in fairness, you know, he, he he demonstrated that as a captain as well. He changed the way that New Zealand played the game. He took sledging out of it. Uh, you know, he made a stand on that. But few, and you remember the Aussies were appalled by it. But I, I think McCullum's stand was absolutely right. Um, he also uh, brought uh, an aggression into the game when New Zealand were playing, and he brought a style of captaincy that meant that New Zealand were prepared to risk losing tests in order to win them, and it was very successful for New Zealand. I don't see that approach in the current environment. I think they've done, they've done well on the back of what McCullum and Mike Hesson did, and now when questions are starting to be asked, uh, you know, they rode that wave, and and fair enough, it was a wonderful to watch, and you know, a fantastic part of New Zealand cricket history. But the question is, what's happening now? And, uh, and 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 those are the things that I just don't see the sort of things that give me the confidence that we're going to we're going to be able to smash our way out of this or break our way out of this. I thought, you know, the New Zealand side looked really timid against England, and that's something I, I don't like saying. It's not a nice word to use about a New Zealand side that prides itself on standing up. You know, I, it was nice to see Mitchell getting runs in the second innings. I thought he batted very well. Conway batted pretty well in the first innings as well. But there was a timidity about New Zealand. And 
also, as I say, I thought it was very strange to see Wagner with the new ball. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And those 11 overs that he bowled in the second innings are the most expensive, you know, first 11 overs by a bowler in test cricket. And that's quite some record. And again, he didn't seem to have the ability to change. He was going short. England were, were pulling and hooking at the start. And because of the slightly varied bounce in the pitch, uh, they, they they changed their strategy. And that will be McCullum and Stokes saying, right, this is how we're going to play him today. So they had him down the ground. They flat-batted him, uh, you know, like tennis shots. And it was incredibly successful. But Wayne didn't seem to have a plan B. And the other thing that we've talked about with him, having seen him in Karachi in those three, three tests against Pakistan, and it's been confirmed over here in New Zealand conditions, his pace is really about 125 to 128 k's an hour. It's not quick enough now. And, uh, and New Zealand are going to get found out, I'm afraid. They'll play him in the next test. They'll play him against South Africa, I'm sure. But I think his days are numbered. Garth, just quickly before we let you go, mate, a question that I've asked a couple of people. Nobody seems to have an out-and-out answer. I don't know if you'll be able to help us at all either. But um, Lockie Ferguson, is he not considered a test bowler? No, I don't think he is. Um, and it, 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 it's an interesting thing because, again, I mean, he has played a test or two, hasn't he, or a few. Um, I, you know, I think they will probably be nervous about um, his, his being injury prone. I think they very much see him as being part of the white ball setup and don't want to use him in both parts. And I think it's a shame because. Uh, you know he does add he does have that little sparkle and that ability to hurry players up and when you see a side like England attacking against uh, New Zealand in the way that they have one of the reasons that they're able to do it and they're able to come down the pitch to the quicks is that there isn't a lot of pace there I know that you know Kugeline and Tickner at times got up over 140 uh, but they're able to go at Southie and uh, and Wagner who are in that 130 125 to 130 pace so and you know some raw pace would be helpful. But I don't think New Zealand have the confidence that Ferguson is going to get through, you know, a Test match without being injured. He, he, you know, he needs to bowl before he's in that sort of position. A lot of overs in first-class cricket, I'd suggest, before you were satisfied that he could do that day in day out. But it does seem that they've got a really strong preference to play him in the white ball, and that might be at the loss of Test cricket. All right, Garth. I mean, ahead of uh, Wellington, how many changes do you actually think we'll see to the eleven? Two, um, I, you know, uh, well, I think we should see two. Uh, as I say, I mean, you obviously don't do anything with Latham and Williamson. You back them because they're quality Test players. Um, you're not going to, you, you're going to see Conway in there. I think you've got to, got to remove Nichols now. I can't see it, the base for him playing at Wellington, and so that's when, as you and I were just talking about, you, you either bring in uh, Young or you bring in Phillips, and I think my preference would be to give Phillips a go. He's only played one Test. He got 52 against Australia and a duck in the second innings. But he's he's been waiting for a long time, and I think he's probably worth a go. Uh, the more conservative option will be the one that we talked about, where they go for Young, and, and, and we'll, get a, we'll get a clue, really, out of, out of whether they are prepared to take a risk in that. Uh, the other thing is that Henry will come in, and I think that Cougar line will probably drop out, and they'll stick with Tickner again. Um, so two changes for me. Nichols out, and uh, Cougar line out. Henry and Phillips in. Mm. All right, good stuff, Garth. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, hopefully we're having better conversations about New Zealand cricket next time I talk to you. Yeah, look, it's all good. I mean, I, you know, again, um, I, I don't want to be too you know, depressed or down about it. I just want to see things, that, you know, to see change being made and to have confidence that actually 
there are things being done that are going to try and turn things around. It's hard when you're not, you know, when you're playing against a side like this and you haven't got confidence. But um, that's when you see a true test of character, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I tell you, actually, the other thing is, uh, I'd be interested to see if Wagner survives um, after after all of that. He is 37 shortly. I mean, if they are going to think about uh, the future, now's the time. No chance they'll drop him. Absolutely no chance at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong because I wouldn't mind it, and I don't mean again to be critical of Wagner. He's been he's been great, but I do think I said after the Pakistan series over there, I think his days are numbered, and I you know, but I think they'll um they just feel too vulnerable. They'll keep picking him, unfortunately.